Hello and welcome to the Identity Podcast. I am Caleb, one of your co-hosts. It is an honor as always to be able to to do this show. It is it's just such a joy, such a wonder. Very exciting stuff for this week. Um, cannot wait to go and introduce them. But I'm going to introduce my lovely and fellow co-host, Tarek. How's it going, Tarek? All is well. All is well, man. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Uh, February's been quite awesome. So happy to all those great things. I'm, you know, I'm so excited about environmental science, of course. But I'm um, also happy Black History Month to everyone. Exactly. Um, happy Snow Day and all these climate things that we're going to ch- uh, chat about today. <laughs> That's been pretty fun. And I'm happy to have our guests on today, too. So I know this is a special person from you. Um, so I don't know. Can you give him a bit of a great <laughs> introduction? I got a chance to meet him backstage, and he's, he's the man. So but I'm sure Caleb can run it up. But um, just, just shout out to all the viewers and stuff <laughs> and all the fun stuff. So haven't seen you guys in a long time. <laughs> Let's get I this know, started. It's, it's been a couple of weeks for you, hasn't it? It's yeah. been it's been some time. It's been some time. It's been some time. Well, yeah. This man, uh, you know, as the famous saying goes, needs no introduction, but I'm going to give one anyways. Um, <laughs> uh, he is a former professor of mine. Uh, he just recently retired um, from Millican University in Illinois. Um, my almost soon to be alma mater crazy um boop, boop, boop. But very very, <laughs> very great man i had the pleasure of taking a few of his classes and i had the pleasure of learning just so much from him and he's done amazing things in the communication realm and world and especially in environmental advocacy and in the environment as well so i'm going to bring him on this is tom duncanson everyone everyone uh, it's an absolute <laughs> honor to have you on tom <laughs> Yes. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. Um, it, well, seriously, we're, we're very, I, I know I personally am very grateful to have you on. And I remember when we first began uh, the thoughts of planning the environmental series, you were the first name to pop in my head. I was like, I got to get him on. I got to get him on. And That's so uh, true. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> this, this Bill McKibben was not available, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, uh, since we've since we've uh, ever started this entire series, since we started the podcast, he has talked about you for this position. I so I'm I'm ready. You know, <laughs> I know the, the knowledge and the things that you've done. Like I know we could start there, um, or we could go right into what we were going to go to anyway. But I just want to just give a little bit of celebration, just to kind of some of the things that you're proud of um, and what milestones you've created along your way. You know, yeah, sure. So, are are you saying you want to hear a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that um, one of the things that maybe young people ought to know about me is that I'm just old enough that I was at the first Earth Day in 1970. It was a 16-year-old high school sophomore in 1970, and I was on uh, my school's debate team. And so uh, we were all uh, rounded up and put in a bus and sent to a nearby university that was having a major Earth Day. And uh, be- because the next year, our debate topic, the whole date, debate topic nationwide was going to be pollution. So um, I think that, that uh, I can honestly say that my environmentalism began on the 22nd of April in 1970. And uh, it kind of... Uh, 
like fixed in my head and it never has come out. And so at different times in my career, I have, I've gone away from it. I haven't always researched or written about the environment. But I always come back to it and I really wanted to come back to it. Um, I don't know, in the last, in the last decade, I just really felt urgent need to write almost exclusively about the environment. That's beautiful. I, I honestly want to kind of teleport back with, with everyone uh, <laughs> just to see what it was like. I mean, first of all, what encouraged someone and in, in maybe this nearby, nearby town or whatever to do an Earth Day, you know, that was, yeah. like you said, groundbreaking. So there must have been something going on before that. Do you, did you ever hear anything before that or kind of just uh, oh, brush sure. it off like, or did you? Yeah. Yeah, environmental things were uh, of you know great interest. All the news magazines were running features on it, and there were uh, you know uh, some of the most discussed books in in those years were environmental books. Books like The Population Explosion by Paul Ehrlich okay. uh, were you know they sold you know a, a paperback book in that day. You know, a cheap little paperback was probably like thirty five cents, and he probably sold fifteen million of those things mostly to college students and young people. But um, so so Earth Day was really kind of, there was a big uh, sense across the United States for sure, but really across the world that uh, it was time to really start doing something about this. And so, um, gosh, I would guess uh, every major college and university participated in Earth Day that year. Right, right. I mean, they shut down the campus. That's, they, they that's were, wonderful. <laughs> there was one we have to do that more. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I remember watching documentaries and I remember uh, speakers and uh, this doesn't sound very environmental, but being given tons of literature and uh, just, <laughs> it was and it, and it was a beautiful spring day that never hurts. Uh, so it was quite the, the start for this stuff. What a spring indeed, <laughs> right, Caleb? Um, what was your What was your first connection, Caleb? Uh, when did you get first interested in environmentalism? That's a great question. I don't think you've actually ever asked me that question. Um, when I first, I've always kind of, you know, found a likening and and, and kind of a, a spot in my heart for it, and, and to definitely to try and help save the earth as much as I personally can as, as an individual. I would say it was really the end of high school when I I read I read an article and I'm wanting to say it was on Earthshare. I, I believe it was on their website. I was reading an article and it was about um, trees. And I just remember like, oh, you know, this is some, something simple enough that I can do. I can go and, you know, help peacefully protest and say, you know, don't cut the trees down. Or I can, I can you know, do better at recycling and I can make sure that I'm, I'm not using um, different forms of plastic and, and such like that. And so it was just kind of a slow progression at the time of realizing what I could do for my part. And before I knew it, I was, you know, recycling as much as I could and, and probably the 
most recycle-minded person in uh, in my neighborhood at the time, <laughs> at least for a few years. And I got my parents really big into it. I mean, now we're like recycling machines. Um, I I really <laughs> I I really tried to focus on um, you know getting rid of plastic out of my life as much as possible. Unfortunately, it comes to the point where sometimes you, you really don't even get to choose. Um, but it, uh, but that was a big thing. And then I realized just what it means um, outside of that, but also what you're putting in your system and what it means for you and what it also means for the environment around you. And so from there, when I became a vegetarian, um, that right there was one of the big milestones for myself. And it kind of, it kind of said, you know, I'm, I'm in on this. I'm all the way in on this and I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to go with it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be shy about it and I'm going to put all my effort, all hands on deck on it. And it was, wow. uh, yeah. And then that's from there. Yeah, man. That's, that sounds like, that sounds like <laughs> it. That sounds like the same. <laughs> Well, I learned from the best. Um, that's for certain. Uh, he probably won't admit it, but I learned from the best. And I, I took a wonderful, phenomenal class with him this time last year. Um, we experienced the beginning of COVID together, I recall. Um, <laughs> yes, it was we quite, <laughs> we did. It was quite, uh, I just remember every class, every Tuesday, Thursday morning at 930. Um, I just remember going to class, even on my computer, I wake up and grab breakfast and then sit at my desk. <laughs> and I just remember, I just remember you saying, you know, like, how's everyone doing? And I just remember those small reminders, how yeah. big they were just to, just to ask us how we were doing. Cause we were all, and this is, this is a point in, in life and a point in our time right now that we can't, most, most people can't say in past generations that they experienced something like this where every being is connected. And the fact that we were all, even though we all had like our own reasonings for feeling down or, or maybe feeling good about certain things, um, we were all being in, uh, affected by this certain thing and by the same thing. And I just, I just remember doing a, project for the environmental advocacy class that you taught um i actually that was when i realized that i needed to be better with my voice because i've uh -huh. always i'd always done a lot as far as my personal self and and going out and being active um with smaller communities and groups but it was it was being able to really put my voice out there and let everyone know this is, you know, this is what should happen. And, and, you know, same old stuff, same to your stuff like that. That's when it kind of really clicked for me over the past year that I needed, I felt like I could do more. Well, okay. Now I want to hear how, uh, how uh, Trick came to his environmentalism. I think he had to log off real quick. I think he's coming back on. I think he got he was frozen <laughs> again, but that's okay. We'll we'll get him back on. <laughs> right. yeah, sometimes he's in. He's actually in New York right now, so sometimes his connection yes. is a little. I thought he was. 
Yeah, his connection between Illinois and New York can be a little wonky at times, but um, yeah. uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, in the meantime, we can we can uh, continue, but sure. um, yeah, you know, and sorry for that long long winded um, mm-hmm. explanation there, but I, I I just remember for 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 everyone who you know this seems like a casual conversation to me but everyone uh, who who doesn't know Tom is has is taught for years and uh, he looks here is Tarek you're back hi Tarek <laughs> sorry about that the internet kind of went out what did you no hear worries. what happened I heard you bonding that was really nice it came in and came back out guys <laughs> so I missed that that group hug no but <laughs> I'll catch up. My question for you is how did how did you start in your environmentalism? Well, that's that's quite the question that was coming around the room <laughs> around the globe <laughs> or the flat earth. No, I'm joking. No, I think um, <laughs> when I first started was uh, I, that's what actually I wanted to um, hint at. That's why I asked both of you gentlemen, because you kind of experienced it at two different points in your life as well. Um, so I find that very interesting, but I feel like I've always been uh, a bit of um, uh, a natural soul <laughs> to, to a lot of sense, or um, maybe it's because my family had some Southern roots and had always talked about countrysides and just like that type of energy. So I feel like giving back to the planet has always been something more intrinsic rather than a conscious thing like, oh God, we have to save the planet. Um, the doom and gloom of wanting to save the planet, I feel like definitely came about more closer to like, uh, I guess my high school years. And that puts me what, um, so I'm, I'm 27 now. So that'd be around the 2000s. Uh, and I think that's when it started to get kind of trendy. So I was, that's why I'm so um, excited to talk to you because like you said, you're a high school student. I don't know how trending it was to be <laughs> the guy trying to save the trees. Um, but I've loved every aspect of being, um, uh, uh, the things that were uh, people were against the war, quote unquote, the hippies. So I think anybody that were tree huggers or anyone that was like consciously thinking about the environment have definitely been an ally of mine. So if you're an ally for oxygen or natural animals <laughs> or <laughs> anything to that extent, I think that that's when I began. So yeah. um, uh, kind of like Caleb yeah. said, I, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's see that's something that I don't think I ever share with my classes is that I have a pretty uh, spiritual sense of, of uh, you know in the out of doors and uh, the wilder the better. I'm not sure we have any wilderness around, but in, as close as we can get to it, um, uh, that is always really touching for me. But I never talk like that in class because okay. I feel like my students as individuals and collect and then you collect them all together we have to get where we're going environmentally whether you have that or not you might not have you you know you might be a person who uh uh you know has to stay all day in your uh you know 80th floor penthouse for all i know and you hate outdoors <laughs> but we, you still need to be on the team for the environment and so uh i don't count on that sense of feeling but boy i get it and i love it when i hear about it wow that's that's actually really awesome and i think that's a great transition uh and caleb would probably agree (laughs) yeah i think that was a great transition everyone and and all of our viewers out there 
you know, we've gone through so many different aspects of, you know, your own psyche, mm-hmm. figuring out what you want to do with your life in 2020, um, from religion to love to whatever we get to. And I think obviously the spiritual thing has become in, uh, a very much big thing on our, our podcast, but it's this transition is even even more sweet, right? We, we transition our identities into like what we can tangibly do with all the things that we're feeling inside and the way that we practice our spirituality. And I do think it's tangible. I do think the rich guy has to come in. I think that everyone has to be involved. Um, right. I, I think we could get into all sorts of green economics. I don't know exactly how we're going to bounce around today, but I think all three of us are very knowledgeable about this. And we don't, we don't intend to be over anyone's heads, but um, I think that this collective brain conscious, other than just like fully educating you guys, uh, more about the forward thinking of how this has been, because that's how I set up the episode when we first started. Um, over time, we have not only destroyed a lot more, but also gained a lot more. We have great legendary people like Tom Duncanson and this podcast. So um, not to, I know that's a lot of gas, right? A lot of helium. <laughs> this is crazy. I know. I'm gassing it up. But <laughs> it's, I'm happy to be here, you know? So that's why I just know how much you've done, because we can go into the London stuff. We can jump into like, you know, like you said, the rich guy, I thought about that. So mm-hmm. um, there's ways to change these corporate buildings into a lot more green uh, aspects. So I'm all about the collective conscious and you don't have to meet me where I am, but I feel like we can meet at a destination that we all should be at. And I think that's kind of how I've established yes. it for myself. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it's definitely drops gavel. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) That's good. No, that's good. I know. I I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I I definitely. Yeah, I agree with both of you as well. I think um, I think we can definitely kind of transition into the sense of uh, the rhetoric of of green economics and such, because I I know that uh, Tom does know. Uh, a good amount of, uh, and he, I will say, I think one of the happiest moments was when uh, we confirmed him to be on the show. He sent me um, several, several uh, academic and scholarly uh, <laughs> papers that he is, he has written over time. And I think a few of them I probably have, have read before. Um, I, I can't, I still have so many, I have so many papers from his classes still to this day, but I, I don't want to get rid of them because they're so knowledgeable. And there's there's every once in a while I look back and I think about different things and and how um, how they can still relate to this day. So we can we kind of uh, transition. And so um, for all of our viewers, our listeners out there, what is green economics? Yeah, please comment, like, share. <laughs> <laughs> that that frankly that's really controversial there mm-hmm. are um there are quite a few schools of uh environmental economics green economics um um sort of um oh uh a uh, political economic a green political economics there is, uh, and within it, there are uh, these subcategories. Like, uh, there's a woman in the UK who promotes something she calls donut economics, which is which is a really fun metaphor to play with. But um, here's what I think um, it means to me. Um, I think that 
first of all, the word green is appealing because it does point us back to the natural basis of our life on earth and reminds us that uh, we, we have not done a great job in this area and it's time to green things back up. So there's that. But I think for um, most people, they, they constantly, I mean, it's always presented to, the, to them this way, like by conservative forces. The conservative forces always say, ah, the environment, that's a luxury, jobs jobs and jobs sort of obviate anything you want to say on environmental topics jobs so shut up jobs and the the reality is of course that uh we want to be shrewd like like mom and pop saving nickels and dimes and we want to be thoughtful and we want to come out of this prosperous i don't think we want to go into a place where um where we have to accept a, a very small life of incredible poverty as the one and only way we could, you know, live uh, within within uh, the budget of our environment. Uh, I don't think people would accept it, and I don't think they probably ought to. And then, of course, that's a pretty middle class take on it. But then you stop and you think about, well, we've got two billion people on this planet who've been left out even with all of the massive economic activity we have, they need to be brought up still. So I think green economics says that we've got to, we've got to engage this question in a way that it finally works. We're not going to pretend. We're not going to play. We're going to really get there. But we're going to get there without the kind of punishing austerity that always hurts poor people. And we're going to get there with a sense of, of the equity and the caring for uh, the disadvantage that we just have never been able to really build into our society. Wow, beautifully said. I, I, I think you looked at it at so many different angles, you know, especially sociology, which I think would be kind of where I would feel like draws me to environmentalism so much. Um, so much of our environment has produced us, <laughs> let alone the produce that we consume. And right. I think um, if we've kind of, and we had a we had a guy on earlier uh, who was awesome. I, I don't want to call him a guy, but you know, he was pretty, he was really chill and down to earth. But um, from India, and he was just talking about the ravaging of what's been kind of going on around there, and also the growth as well. Um, not to just leave it leave right. that in the dirt, because India has been making some pretty significant changes. If you are, keep your eyes open for those type of things, but like you said, it's. Is, is the economical aspect of it on the backs of the, the few and the many? <laughs> or yeah. is, it, um, is it to be paid for? It, do we invest in uh, research, research and development to continue to do it? Or it's all of these answers is what, yeah. what I'm trying to get at. And um, like, like Caleb said, we've got to accept what we can do with what we're doing and be the best person in our neighborhood who's taking out all the plastic, you know, or um, coming at because their solar panels are crooked and they're aiming into people's windows or whatever. But um, you got to be that guy, you know, it's done. So, um, okay. but uh, I, I wanted to get into uh, all the jokes aside, but just the idea of economics and how, how much of a square type of topic. I'm going to be a hippie all day. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm so happy about this month because I get a chance to kind of talk like this. But um, how much has this been juxtaposed to capitalism from the first time you had your Earth Day 
um, yeah. up until like, you know, people that kind of went a different route with their life. Uh, maybe more stockbrokers or I, I don't know who you kind of grew up with along your life, but um, <laughs> people that maybe have become more divergent and more capitalistic and maybe you've seen uh, a, a difference in how they think about it since climate change and all these much more um, right. ecological disasters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're asking a great question. One of our um, most radical philosophers today, a man by the name of Bedeau, who um, is a pretty mature fellow now, he's probably in his mid-70s, he lives in France, and he says that, um, well, environment is a capitalistic problem. And he, by the way, he's not only he's a Marxist, he's a Maoist. You know, so he's really out there. <laughs> oh, God. Said, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> environment. I, mean, I mean, is that out there? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think I think that there are not a lot of people walking around with their mile badges these days. That's true. Uh, so, <laughs> so, but he says it's it's fundamentally a capitalist problem because capitalism is all about efficiency maximizing. Right. It's all about, you know, pay as little as possible, get as much as possible, um, get as many goods out there, make as much profit ultimately. But in the meanwhile, you know, it's all about we've got to be more efficient. Well, that should be leading them to really careful resource use. And that should lead them to incredible efforts at uh, at recycling and, and you know, um, projects along those lines. They should be the ones who've taken the lead. Now, clearly, they haven't. And so there's a giant gap between their promise and what they've delivered. And I so, see. you know, one of the things would be just to hold them to account to what it is that they say they're good at and make sure they are good at that. But, you know, I don't see that's going to happen, frankly. I think that uh, they're going to be a lot of government interventions. I think the whole point of the Green New Deal is that, we're just going to build it all out and worry about, you know, like who runs it and makes money off it later. You know, I mean, I, I do sure. think that that's the genius of the Green New Deal. We're going to put up, you know, we're going to put the uh, the windmills in place. We're going to put the solar panels in place. And we're going to, you know, put in the the trains and the better mass transit. And and we're going to retrofit the houses, you know, and all, you know, we're going to do all these things that we need to do. And we're not going to care too much about the economic system that ultimately, you know, finally operates it. Because if we wait for these people to get around to looking at their bottom line, you know, at the, you know, at the Fortune 500 companies, you know, they'll, they'll take another five centuries. You know, we'll all be dead before it will ever, you know, come into place if we right. let them do what they want to do. Anyway, I'm talking too much. What are you guys thinking? No, uh, it's fine. It's usually there's a, you can see us visually and we're just like, stars <laughs> like stars in our eyes as we watch our guests um just unfold so much but yeah I'm, I'm sure caleb has a lot to say and i have some stuff to say about what you just said as well um so i'll start a little bit and then i can pass it to you caleb but just the new deal man um yeah that's some that's some snapping facts there that you're probably not going to hear from anyone else so i appreciate you sharing your truth man um I, I look at the Green New Deal and I think about um, the original New Deal and given everything that we're going through right now, um, like you said, to retrofit and to kind of, I don't know, we're kind of trying to pull ourselves out and set ourselves up for the next, I don't know, some odd situations before we <laughs> come into some sort of crises because cataclysm seems to come in a statistical array as well. So mm -hmm. whatever. But 
Um, as far as the Green New Deal, I think that the, the biggest things that were gained from the, the original um, New Deal, um, which was in 1939 or whatever, um, uh, during the Great Depression were housing and setting ourselves up uh, financially to create the middle class. So yeah. I think that um, when you're when you're talking about the Green New Deal kind of being this next thing, it's like who else is on the chopping block given the recession and everything that's been going on is again, the middle class. And this might be a way for us to kind of like meld into the future. I do think the future is going to be a lot more EV and a lot more, you know, uh, like you said, who, who owns the technology It's like now we're green, but it's still being owned by the few in the mint, you know, like, so it's, it's this never ending cycle of capitalism. That's worse, but, at least, like you said, they're kind of delivering on some stuff. I mean, you know, Amazon finally dropped off the pot, the package. You know, I got my chia chia plant. But yeah. um, well, we're going to see um, if they're going to deliver. I mean, it's not clear. We'll see. Gonna we'll see. We'll see. They're going to face a tremendous amount of political opposition. I agree. And um, and a lot of people are going to be frightened. You know, it's really easy to scare people that they are going to lose their job and every thing that's kept them secure so it's going to be a tremendous battle but i do think it's really smart to to not try to answer that super big question about what kind of economy we're going to have in some political economic sense and just do it just go build it and use it and then maybe maybe like nonprofits will run certain parts of it maybe like traditional kinds of utilities like power companies will run parts of it maybe Maybe the federal government would run parts. Of, you know, there's, there's, there does not have to be one single answer for how we right. get this accomplished and then how we live with it in the future. I mean, that's the that's the beauty of you. Well, you younger guys, you know, and you, you all you young people out there, you're going to get to make these really hard decisions about how we specifically carry this stuff out. But mm -hmm. it seems to me 2021, we're in a very optimistic place about at least at least for the maybe for the first time ever, sort of taking this seriously and building out the the infrastructure of it. Wow! Now, now we can put it into place. That's awesome. Um, and that's just the U.S. And I, I know you can talk to yes. us a little bit about Europe as well, uh, specifically London and how they were operating. Um, but hypocritically, they operate hypocritically in London. Copy. Okay. They talk. They yeah, talk. <laughs> hey, <laughs> they're, they're the talking guys. <laughs> That's why they have such great uh, English. Apparently, it's it's for yes, all the they, talking. They're the <laughs> you know, uh, two years ago they said they were completely done with coal, and then two weeks ago they uh, the prime minister said he wants to open a coal mine. So, you know, they say one thing, they do something oh, else. Do another. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see about coal. Coal's definitely a, <laughs> and then gasoline and all the things that have been going on with that. That's that's a lot of different things. But um, yeah. I, I I think that the best way, like you said, the economics is more of like a social economic thing. Um, just to kind of wrap up that topic, I think that we all can play a part. All you viewers out there, don't think that you're you know you're too small or too big. Don't get too <laughs> you know uh, don't get too prideful about what you're doing or too humble. There's always work to be done. And I think there are several. Oh, he did mention jobs. I think um, that's something that we often talk about as well. And there's plenty of opportunities to 
uh, put yourself out there in any aspect. Some people are communication majors. Some people can help out um, with certain litigation or if you know more entry level or you like hands-on stuff, I'm sure you can like plant a couple of trees or whatever it may be, but there are jobs out there for those that are still um, looking for certain things like that. And I'm sure we can provide some resources at the end um, once we look those up, but there's tons of stuff to do. And that's what we're gonna get into this because um, obviously you're a teacher and that's one thing that has been a beneficial for you. So how has that been? as a career during this time period or um, more or less like as far as the cool things that you've done, like, because I'm <laughs> sure people would, would want to figure out like, how do we become like this great, great oak tree? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oak tree. Uh, I drop acorns on people's heads. <laughs> hey, hey, Isaac um, Newton loved it, man. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that'd be me. Um, well, um, you know, it's really interesting because um, when I was young, I thought that uh, one of the greatest things you could do was have a career in higher education. I really encouraged people to go to graduate school. And if uh, they could, uh, you know, kind of pull themselves up and get themselves together to get doctorate degrees and, and to become professors. Um, it, first of all, it's really fun um, and uh, very enriching uh, personally, you know, and, and I think the daily satisfactions of this work are about as high as you can get. But the sad fact is, I don't think that the profession I entered into 30 years ago or so, 35 years ago, still exists. Um, and I'm sure you guys have heard that... Uh, most college teaching is now done by part-timers, but they're yeah. still expected to have as much education. So now you've got a PhD and you make, uh, gosh, at, uh, at the school where I was teaching last and where uh, Caleb is uh, soon to finish his degree, um, you know, a part-timer makes like, I don't know, $2,200 a course. You know, this wow. is the kind of money you could die on that. Right? <laughs> it's like, you better have another job. So, um, it's really hard for me today to encourage young people to, you know, to turn to people and go, Oh, do as I did, you know, um, because that seems really, it's really naive. Um, so, you know, I think that there's still ways to, um, I don't know. There's lots of ways to be researchers still. There's, uh, there's ways to affect people's consciousness. Still there are, uh, ways to teach the young, so, you know, all these things, they're, they're like so deep in the human experience that you can't get, you know, you, they, you can't make them go away just because you can't uh, afford them anymore. They're still going to be there and there's still going to be work for people to do. But, you know, it's, I'm, you know, I think it would be dishonest of me to say that uh, I know exactly how that would work out in people's lives today. Well, I thought that answer was awesome. <laughs> I mean, no, don't play down yourself at all. And I, I, I'm honestly, I'm glad that you were able to share that. I think that was very honest um, about what's kind of going on. And I, my heart goes out to all the teachers. We actually haven't talked to too many teachers yet. Um, maybe some mentors and like maybe spiritual gurus, but no one directly. Yeah, no, but it, it's just, I think that it's, it's refreshing to kind of hear 
kind of what's been going on to these paramounts of knowledge and education and things that we, you know, the, the amount of things that you've done just over time, the knowledge that you have for certain things, you know, has, has its value for sure. Um, yeah. It may not be necessarily in the teaching capacity as far as uh, the infrastructure of schooling and stuff, what's been, what's been going on with that. But yeah, just so much other stuff. Like, like you said, like your writing, like Caleb said, your writing was really intense. And I, I got a chance to kind of look at some of that stuff and mm. it just, your, your opinions matter. And I think that's kind of where it may be going now, where no matter what you're doing, you kind of have to have some sort of branding. Um, it yeah. seems you're in the STEM uh, or the science fields to kind of be associated with some sort of graduate program or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, mostly for funding, let's be honest. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, the other aspect is just like you get a chance to actually do what you want to you you want to be doing with some uh, some backing from a college. So that's always great. But I think we all have to kind of step out. I think there's um some people that are kind of starting businesses and and creating green or environmental businesses, um, which have been really awesome. And I think it's a great time for entrepreneurship in very small ways. You know, I'm not saying jump out and start um, doing so many crazy things, everyone. So forgive <laughs> me for that. But there are- Build electric cars. Oh, that's a good start. <laughs> that's definitely a good start. But yeah, renewable energy sources for sure. That's, that's kind of where everyone's kind of going with it. Um, you can invest in it. I think that's one aspect that I've been kind of going with it for sure. Um, so yes. shout out to Tesla and all that fun stuff. But <laughs> Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. What a what a funny dude. Meanwhile, he'll shoot a rocket that may not work right into the atmosphere and just like, so forgive me. Uh, anyway, but uh, no, no shade, no shade. I love Elon Musk. But I think that um there's, there's so many different ways, like, but at the same time, like you said, on a much, much more spiritual level, I think we're kind of coming to this collective consciousness where it's going to be kind of spread amongst each other, where we're able to kind of just create it as more of a culture rather than like, oh, those guys over there just recycling, <laughs> you know, and I'm in New York City. So if, if we could find some sort of, God forbid, I don't want to say crazy stuff like this, but some sort of vacuum or tornado to kind of clean up the streets. You might be in a better space, but um, I think um, just being in Canada and seeing other like th this is in the past, of course, but seeing how clean things can be, even in Japan, just yeah. so such clean streets. So our urban areas, like what's your what's your take on kind of the economics of what's been going on with that and the shift from urban to homes and like maybe I think Caleb, did you want to ask him and pose him that that question that you had asked earlier? Uh, I think was it nuclear versus uh do you remember Caleb? oh nuclear versus solar power nuclear yeah. versus solar and obviously we were thinking about homes and home stays mm -hmm. there so what do you think uh about green domestic economics i guess right well i mean i think that um that nuclear energy has a whole big industry behind it and so lots of claims get made on behalf of nuclear energy that uh are not supported when you actually get in and look at the, the, both the engineering and the economic analysis. Um, you know, one of the things that, well, Caleb might remember this cause I'm sure I said it in class a time or two, but I, I think most people would be surprised to learn that we have more nuclear power in Illinois than any other state. Uh, 
Yep. Uh, but on the other hand, we have not been able to bring a new reactor online since the mid 70s, which is the reactor that's near to Decatur, um, where Caleb lives. It's um, it's the Clinton nuclear power plant. Those things are so expensive. They are so dangerous that, um, yeah. you know, the you have to uh, probably uh, pour all the concrete in the plant like two, three times, because if you do it and there's just slightly too much, much moisture, the inspectors will come through and tear it out. And so, <laughs> and then you start over again. It's that, yeah. it's that precise in these massive plants that, that are dealing with million degree temperatures and that have to then cool that with cooling water and dump all that water somewhere. They are environmental nightmares. And frankly, they are, um, they are security nightmares. I mean, they're always targets for people who would like to do a lot of, uh, you know, a horrific kind of damage. So right. I don't think there is any comparison. Uh, yes. I mean, they're, they're powerful and you can say, oh, well, you know, we're getting uh, so many um, kilowatts here, but uh, compared to your little uh, solar panels or your, uh, your homely windmills, but uh, the reality is that um, they're, they're a terrible deal economically. And here in Illinois, they are so bad economically. They don't compete with coal. They don't compete with fracked gas. And they don't compete with solar and wind. We, uh, <laughs> the companies that run them want to take three of them offline. Because wow. there's, just, there's just no market for it. It is not the cheapest electricity or the second cheapest or the third cheapest or the fourth cheapest form of electricity. So when the nuclear industry comes and tells you that this is uh, the way we can meet everybody's needs in a way that is um, that doesn't add any, uh, you know, heat or uh, carbon to the to the uh, atmosphere, they are kind of playing fast and loose with the facts. That's, that's, that's right. <laughs> Caleb, did I say that? I think I said something like that. Something close to that. Probably the last three words, maybe. I don't know. Well, you, did, no, I, you didn't say word for word. It wasn't I didn't say as word. insightful, it sounded, but. <laughs> I like what I said. No, I'm just joking. We both, we no, both that was, that was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. Well, no, I'm not just calling Caleb. The right part. That, but you probably again? Had the, you didn't have the Illinois part, but you probably had the rest. <laughs> right. No, actually, yes. yeah, that was that was all news to me. I had no idea about mm -hmm. Illinois, so I was I was baffled mm -hmm. by that. No, I, I didn't I didn't say it uh, nearly as eloquent as you. I was I was being silly, <laughs> but I, I I totally agree. I said we Caleb and I were just like there's just not enough information about it. Like we don't know. Like I mean, there's a lot of projections. There's a lot of things that are like it could mm -hmm. be more efficient, but. Like right. you said, it's a ticking time bomb, and I don't think any supermen are about to be made anytime soon. So, otherwise, mm -hmm. it's just fallout, and and now we have to deal with that for a long period of time. So, I don't know. I'm just right. I'm not right. interested in it. And and then you have to you have to guard the waste then for fifty thousand years. And the yep. question Precisely. the question that we've been asking for fifty years is is what have human beings ever done for fifty thousand years except you know eat, sleep, and poop. <laughs> You know, except for that. That's as far as we've, we, that's as far as we've gotten. We've never done anything for 50,000 years. I mean, it's one thing to like 
commit your children and your grandchildren to a project that may in fact, you know, may not be great, maybe foolish, but damn, this is basically committing the whole future of your species to guard <laughs> nuclear waste. I mean, if yeah. that, you know, I mean, and the, the industry really shouldn't be able to just brush off that, you know? They yeah, really well, I mean, right. we still don't have a place to store it in the United States. It's been collecting since the 1940s and mm -hmm. it's, most of it's saved on site. And we can't agree to any particular place. We can't agree that we can put it under a mountain in Nevada. And if you can't put it under a mountain in Nevada, then basically you can't put it anywhere. So, wow. you know, we just, it's just not politically feasible. Nobody, you know, we talk all the time in environmental advocacy about NIMBY, not in my backyard. Well, right. everybody, everybody pretty much agrees we don't want nuclear waste in our backyard. It's right. not like it's not like the next community over is going to go, oh, damn, I'll take that nuclear waste. I'll take a little nuclear over here. <laughs> if, if you pay Just me, serving I'll it take up. It, right? Right? If you, oh, if you build this new green school, I'll take it. Now, there's no community that's willing to say that. Not not the yeah. poorest, not the, not the least well-informed. That's true. That's true. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Maybe for some super rocket or something. That we can shoot out <laughs> to galaxies. I don't know, I'm getting, I'm getting too metaphysical there. But um, I think that's the only time you would need that much energy for that amount of time. Though, like you said, there's no container and there's no real way to kind of allocate it in an efficient way. It just kind of like yeah. it's just there. But um, solar, solar's good. Solar has some that jobs <clears throat> available as well to put that out there for all you career searchers and um, yes. our demographic ranges. So. Any young cats out there, but um, yeah, solar is great. I think that the technology is on the come up. I mean, if you want to hear about nuclear fusion, you might as well just get it from the source, <laughs> from the sun. So uh, rather than right. have it in your hands in right. your backyard, but that's a whole other thing. But yeah, so I, I think the windmills are awesome too. And I think going back to the idea of just kind of moving away from the urban cities, um, given the idea of that the ideas of 5G and maybe some things that have been kind of weird with that. Um, some some people that have experienced some weird issues from being around them, uh, yeah. psychosomatic or uh, whatever <laughs> concerning. But um, I just think that the more we kind of industrialize, the more we get away from the original goal, which is what we were originally talking about in the beginning. So mm -hmm. whatever we put in, Rather, it's you know it's a bunch of trees which can sometimes change an entire environment as well or, or some of the trees that were planted uh, catching fire in all sorts of places like I like that's that's all definitely what we were kind of coming back full circle to and not to give climate change only 10 or 15 minutes but yeah. um, just a lot of things that have, have shifted due to not only what is the earth likes to go through its own motions but also just like you said, what on earth have we been doing for 50,000 years, wow. uh, but creating noxious gas <laughs> and um, putting different um, monoliths up in a, a lot of different ways. So I think it's kind of like, uh, let me help you help, help you help, help us. Help I guess. me help you help you help, help me I. help you help me <laughs> keep it, keep helping. But yeah, the you earth is, <laughs> the earth has been happy. Um, I think with some of the things that we've been pulling back on. So 
um, sure. especially from my, my, the idea of nature and stuff. So I just wanted to add that tidbit. So all the dolphins and shout out to all the deer that were able to kind of free roam for a bit and uh, change the ecosystem up. I think um, in, a, in a much more, I don't know, green environment, if things happen in what you say. So in your time period, you said that the things that were supposed to be mentioned, what, in high school are now coming to full fruition? <laughs> well, it's being talked about, I guess, is what you said, yeah. um, Tom. But mm. if we that it's, you know, kind of cutting exponentially from there, you know, give or take, we could see some real significant changes in 10 years. So if we see that, you know, especially on a global scale, I think that we'll, we can kind of figure out what the next energy source is and some sort of grander scheme for sure. But let's just kind of clean up the mess, you know, in the meantime, and then kind of <laughs> make that more efficient for sure. Mm -hmm. So you want to chat a little bit about climate change before we end? Or sure. Uh, sure. Do you guys have yeah, a specific we, question? Or, we have plenty, plenty of time. Yeah, I, um, one of the things that I, I have been to uh, four of the United Nations uh, climate meetings. I've been to mm -hmm. the uh, Conference of the Parties, which those, those are the big international meetings that are held every year in the fall. Uh, I've been to the one in Bonn in 2017. And I was at the one in Madrid in 2019. Of course, wow. we weren't able to have one in 2020. The one in 2021 will be in Glasgow, Scotland, and I'm pretty sure I'll go to that. Uh, and I've also been to two of the meetings that are way better. They're the meetings where the diplomats, where well, people, you know, you and you and I can actually get in the room where the diplomats are negotiating the specific implementation agreements. And uh, wow. so I've been to two of those in Bonn, Germany. So, uh, yeah, I might be able to say something about uh, climate change, the climate change politics, if you guys can come up with a question or two for me. I was, I didn't even, yeah, that, those accolades are awesome. And wait, where is Glasgow? I, that just sounds so uh, prudish. It's on the, where, it's on the west coast of Scotland. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Is there a reason why they chose that or? Oh, I think uh, I think the United Kingdom sort of bid for it, and they wanted to put it into a city that uh, they wanted to feature. You know that you know deserved some some global attention. I think you know it's, it's a little it's a little bit like uh, landing a big con like well, like any other big convention. You know, it's like, it's like getting the World Series or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, right. It's the Olympics. Olympics. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like the yeah, the Olympics. Now that's a pretty good parallel. It's like oh, it's the Tokyo Olympics. Well, it's going to be the right. Glasgow uh, Conference of the Parties. Right. That's that's pretty awesome. It's that you can cool. kind of just like sit right there and see what's going on. And yeah. I think, like you said, your voice means so much. You know, I think that this episode has come. You know, your identity is what your voice is. And honestly, if we go back to Earth Day, I don't know who you heard or shout out to that person, but whatever <laughs> it did, it sparked something in you. And I think gaining more knowledge about this and then using your voice is actually how we're going to kind of um, connect and kind of change this. But I, mm -hmm. I guess my my thoughts are, uh, given the climate, I guess Caleb may have this question, I'll have mine. But uh, my thought on climate crisis is, there are some naysayers in a lot of aspects, which I, I don't understand, but <laughs> that doesn't really make too much sense to me. But I would love to see kind of what 
what have you heard on both sides of the argument of kind of how we can kind of uh, adjust the climate uh, crisis, you know? Um, yeah. Not necessarily, and I think we attached, we kind of talked on it earlier, but more more as a country aspect, you know, kind of kind of the global economic aspect, I think, since you yeah. do have a pretty good idea of where all of these diplomats are coming from. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've learned is that the diplomats pretty drastically disagree with one another. The uh, the meetings are very polarized between, um, uh, to, to make it really simple, the rich countries versus the poor countries. And um, the uh, the poor countries seem to be so smart about things. They want uh, a kind of a multifaceted approach where, uh, you know, if, you, if you're on an ocean coast, um, they will build seawalls in order to protect themselves from being inundated. And uh, if they are in a, uh, uh, you know, like um, an equatorial zone, uh, there where they get so much sunshine, they will be identified as ideal places to uh, put just industries of solar energy. Uh, so, so, and they see it very urgently because if they don't get help, then they are going to have millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of refugees. This is, this is you young people's future. You know, I'll be long gone, but in 20 years, they're going to be, you, you people are going to be, um, basically, um, asking hard questions like, how do you keep, uh, 20 million people from flooding out of Bangladesh today into India? And will the Indians just mow them down? Will they just slaughter them? This wow. is this is this is climate change world. And the poor countries have a great sense of the urgency of this. They understand it as it is about education. It's about economic development. It's about fairness. It's about treating um, like indigenous people because most places in the world have you know, there's that sort of the main population is, you know, more or less urbanized and educated, but there's always those little small groups on the outside of practically every society. How do you get them included? And in fact, how do you listen to them? Because they're so wise in many ways about the way they're conducting their lives. Anyway, the, I think the small countries get that this is, um, that really what we're talking about is, decades, maybe centuries of terror, unless we get a hold of this thing, that it will be uh, starvation and catastrophe and warfare, just endless warfare. So the rich countries, <laughs> right, right. On, the, on the other hand, the rich countries are pretty sure that all we have to do is um, set uh, a price for carbon that and carbon will be traded in a global market like the New York Stock Exchange. And uh, if you are able to reduce your carbon use this year, you'll be able to sell your extra carbon credits to somebody who's not been very efficient. And but they'll pay and that that we will slowly, very slowly, uh, probably taking out anytime there's any kind of global economic crisis, you know, we'll stop this, but we will slowly, slowly, slowly lower the carbon budgets until we get uh, to net zero. And um, that that we'll just let private business and big governments kind of make choices within this.
Um, and they're not as interested in the capacity building of the people all over the world. They're not interested in, um, you know, the actual like protective programs that people are going to need because of the effects of this changing climate. So um, it is, um, I, I guess, everybody at these meetings has agreed. There, there are no climate deniers at these meetings. I can't stress that enough. There Thank are, you. That's there great. Are, there are no uh, climate deniers. But instead, what there are are these people who have such a different take on it that they're pretty incompatible. And uh, so the meetings oftentimes feel as if um, um, people aren't really understanding one another very well. It's, it's kind of like this um, whose fault is it type of thing that seems like what you described um, almost like, you wow. know, like Mother Earth is kind of coming from a perspective like, okay, some, some wrong was done. And he sits down these two children and one's just like, well, I can actually get out of this. And the other one's like, <laughs> I'm literally drowning in a flood. So that yeah. analogy took a very dark turn. But yeah. the point of the matter is <laughs> the, the, much, the much smaller countries, rich or poor, I, I guess those, those terms can kind of be a little offensive sometimes, but right. hey, at the end of the day, this thing is much more of an economic battle than anything else. Because if you can afford to, like you said, either prevent some of these things from happening or um, if you think about it, a lot of these countries that were less populated had a lot of ecological things near it, whether it be mm -hmm. Pompeii and its volcano or just some of the tsunamis that affected uh, Southeast Asia. Um, but yes. I think that um, what's, what's kind of happening is like, you know, not, I'm not really my brother's keeper, but unfortunately, like we keep coming back in full, um, full rhetoric, your voice and whatever we do kind of affects everyone's backyard. So, mm -hmm. It's not gonna. It's not gonna really separate because your country is okay. Because at the at the end of the day, if your country is thriving, what ends up happening is you get an influx of other people coming there to sort of kind of thrive as well. I mean, we all want to survive. That's innate. That's instinctual. Yes. Um, even the planets fighting us off of it, <laughs> which I think it's <laughs> trying to survive as well. Um, but yeah, the the human the human issue. It's definitely apparent. Um, I think, I think like what you said, it, it can kind of become more bickering, and I, I really wonder how much gets done at the end of the, all of this, all, all of this, because there's such polar opposites. Like there will really be no medium, so democracy in this particular aspect becomes almost irrelevant because yeah. we're voting on something that there's there's almost a fifty percent split, so things kind of inch their way closer to it, mm. even though that's like you said one of the plans was to kind of, I guess, eliminate net zero carbon. It almost sounds like credit. I'm, I'm not even going to yeah. kind of hold you. It sounds like uh, if if they were giving out credit cards for Earth Day almost, and <laughs> you were able to do that, because if yeah. you could make it even on a micro scale and, you know, people's homes, your cars and everything, just as much as being taxed or looked at, yes. you're also being looked at for how much your carbon uh, footprint yeah. is on a much more personal level. I really wonder how that would kind of affect this much more, like you said, this global scheme of the right. countries kind of moving amongst each other. Because once you get large enough as a country, there are ways to kind of politically move yourself in a lot of different ways. I yes. don't want war. And I think a lot of people don't want war, though. War does cost money and make money. So it can kind of be a catch-22 with these type of things. But 
unfortunately we don't have the resources and that's what you were saying earlier so um i think our resources have changed quite a bit so it, it puts everyone in this perspective of how can we share them evenly and if that's something that the, the more richer countries are even willing to do um right. which you know is that is that going to sacrifice their population i can understand where they're coming from from both sides so it's it's a lot it's such a big topic you know but like you said no one's denying it so <laughs> that's the best part you know uh, like there's so yes. much going on that you can't really deny some of the things that are going on i, I just mentioned that to, to put it from everyone yeah yeah you come back to the u.s and we're still having this stupid conversation about whether or not there's climate change and if so the human beings cause it but when you go to international meetings nobody in the room would have the audacity to say such a ridiculous thing. Yeah. It's there almost is, embarrassing. There yeah. is a global consensus that this is a, that this is a serious problem. That should, that, that should be of comfort right there. I have a question. Do you believe that we're just not experiencing it as much as these, the other countries? Is that why it's so, um, was well, it more of a, a media thing? Yeah, well, ask the people in California how much they're experiencing it. Well, but there you go. <laughs> I, I do You're think. Exactly right. I think that probably, um, uh, if you're kind of uh, in the temperate part of the northern hemisphere or the temperate part of Eurasia, you're having less effect. Uh, and in the global south and the um, you know even the Mediterranean places are being hammered. And see, we're seeing it here but we don't really see it when we see it. Uh, here in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, our um, December temperatures were four and a half degrees above average for the month. And in January, and that was December, and in January, again, we were four and a half degrees above. And we've had like, oh, like nine of the last 12 months, we've had below average precipitation. So, um, in some ways, we're a place that has a profusion of water, and yet um, we're in a bit of a drought. And we're actually having outrageous um, temperature uh, swings upward. And yet, you know, that just makes us a nicer December or a nicer January, right? I mean, today, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right now, yeah, now we're having a horrible February. The, this month, our temperatures will be below average, I think, for February. Right. But in any case, uh, it's here. And if if you choose to look at it, you can see it and you can say, well, um, maybe I'm going to have to change the way I garden or maybe I'm going to have to water more. I'm going to have to give up watering my plants and, you know, all these kind of choices that that people are going to find themselves forced to make. Yes, I understand. I mean, I had, had another anecdote as well. I, I got a chance to read this. Um, but I hear that in Jamaica, their marijuana farms are actually running out. They're running out of crops because it's, they're having dry seasons and over raining. It's not yeah. helping it. So I thought that was kind of an interest. That, that is interesting. That's an important piece of data. Hello. Hello. I think Hello? we might have... <laughs> We might have lost him, but no, it, it is really interesting. I think, um, mm -hmm. and and to, I've been quiet the past a little bit, but <laughs> to to kind of start to talk a little bit. Yeah, I, I think um, 
I think with everything, and to kind of go back with something I wanted to mention earlier with, say, jobs, with um, especially with the whole nuclear versus solar power debate and everything, it's like, okay, so there's this sense of, oh, um, jobs will be lost, but at the same time, I think Tark is back on. Sorry about that, guys. Hello. No worries. <laughs> uh, we're, we're just... Um, I was kind of filling in a few things that I hadn't had a chance to talk about earlier, so I was just sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, why are you apologizing? <laughs> I I feel like I hogged your professor. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. This is a this is I I, I love the discussions that we we've made um, thus far, and I and I think um, seriously though, I, I think with jobs, I think it's really interesting to analyze um, the sense like okay, yeah. We, we will lose a lot of jobs, but at the same time, it's like, but there will be a lot of opportunities for jobs to also be created. Maybe not necessarily what you did prior to that, but there will be lots of opportunities for jobs. And, and I agree with the both of you that um, we're, we're at a point where we just kind of have to say, let's do it, you know, especially with the Green New Deal. Um, everything going on with the, the current climate crisis and and with the weather especially I remember it was I'm wanting to say it was mid to late November here in Illinois and it was it was that 70 degree day I don't know if you remember that or not uh, Tom mm -hmm. but it was, yes. it was that, that 70 degree day like the middle of the week and everyone's like man you know shorts it's so excited you know great it's great to have 70 degree day weather. And I remember myself and one of my best friends, we were the only ones to actively say, at least in my area where I was at, um, the only ones to actively say like, that's great and all, but uh, you know, this is like really awful. <laughs> this is yeah. not good. We should not be having a 73 degree day. Uh, in Illinois in November, like that, that should not be happening. And, and now here we are in February, and over the weekend in Illinois, the high was on Sunday was five degrees, and the <laughs> low was like five below, and that's not even what it felt like. And that that right there, I mean it, it's it's saying something. It's it's showing something, and uh, it, and so you know, for me, something that I've noticed over the past for past few years that it's it's like you can do so much you can talk so much but it doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to be interested unfortunately and it's it's kind of come to the same thing with the current pandemic where people won't really take it seriously until they're affected by it and it's and it's it's it is kind of I guess wild to me to think that you have to you have to wait until you're affected by it to take it seriously or to simply even acknowledge that it's a thing. And I, I can't tell you how many people I've heard or read about um, having passed away due to complications with COVID because and they will say like I didn't believe it at first, but now here I am. And and same right. with the people I've I've talked to so many people that like, oh, I didn't necessarily believe in in the climate crisis or and global warming or the fact that we have to do this and this with with saving the earth and when it's right in front of them i knew someone who had no clue did not really believe in the whole 
um, Save the Turtles and uh, all that movement until they went down to um, on a vacation. They went to the ocean and they actually saw they saw um, a turtle being like rescued and out of the plastic and everything. And mm-hmm. um, that right there changed their mind. You know, yeah. it's, it's that, that fact that we have to, we have to experience something in order for us to change our mind. And so I kind of want to hear yes. what everyone else's thoughts are on here, but it's, um, you know, what, how do we improve that instead of trying to, um, wait until everyone is affected by this. We we can't we can't afford to do that. We have to do it now. So how well, do we how do we move forward? I, I can I answer the question for a bit? Sure. I think that um kind of what um Professor Tom said earlier, where we kind of all have a part and you know, we don't mean to bash anyone that's not already doing this. I think we're all at different levels. And this kind of goes back to Caleb's three-step layer. We're discovering new things, we're understanding new things, and then you reflect on, did that work or not? So I think there's there's layers to it. Some people are just finding out, and that's okay. You know, little steps are great. And I my, my other aspect is, yes, we do have time. Everyone should be affected. I think that everyone should go out and try, and try to do something. Like, it's going to connect because everyone has this this greater animus that's part of the the earth you know uh what, whatever it may be you know some people love dolphins and like they can even imagine the things that dolphins go through until they go there and they experience it and see that people are you know whaling people uh, i mean not whaling people but <laughs> whaling people are destroying certain uh, aspects and uh, ecosystems so i think that I think that they have to just jump out. I think there has to be more incentivizing, more interest in just finding out about it. I think the curiosity is great, to be honest. That was my thought. Yeah. I wish that all young people would have a significant natural experience. Uh, or you know, I mean, I I'm use that expression uh cautiously i mean i think we live in nature i'm i'm i don't know where you guys are but i'm in a room right now in a warm house uh and that's nature too right in its own in its own weird human way this is a very natural setting but anyway you know what i mean i would i would like for everybody to have some outdoors experience um everybody uh, now it doesn't seem very practical to just you know make that all happen overnight but I, I would want that for every young person so that they have some sense of these things um, about, you know, what what is at play and what is at risk. But here's I got a couple other thoughts for you guys. And maybe this is kind of maybe where you want to end this. One of my thoughts is that one part of me as a uh, rhetorician is uh, I really do believe in some ways in some very practical politics. And we don't have to have everybody on board. We live in a democratic society, so we have to have 50% plus one. And when we get 50% plus one, we can jam it down the throats of the 49 plus however many, right? Mm -hmm. We just need enough to win. And I'd be happy to win politically on many, 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 many of these issues, even if there are a lot of people who don't agree with it or don't understand it or don't give a damn about it. So I, I am willing to be pretty hard headed politically. I want to try to convince everybody 
but I don't have any illusion that I'm going to do that. And, and so my, my final thought, maybe if you, unless you guys want to talk on and on, but my final thought is, you know, I've been thinking about your, um, your, the name of your program identity. And I look back through some of the programs and they are about, you know, religious identities and sexual identities and, and which are all fantastic questions that, that need addressed. And so I had to ask myself, am I on this program to, to tell you, probably primarily young people that they need a green identity. And my reaction to that is no, I don't, you don't have to, you know, own the stuffed animal and carry the, carry the uh, bad, you know, carry the identity card in your wallet that says you're a member of the club. You don't have to, you know, give 50 bucks to uh, Greenpeace or the Sierra club this year. You don't have to be a card carrying member. I don't care if you have a green identity, but I think everybody needs to have a green orientation. Mm-hmm. And, and by that, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a more persistent, but more gentle kind of thing. I mean, you can say, you know, I'm a, I'm a this or I'm a that, and that's great. You don't have to say I'm a green, but what I do want you to have is like in your everyday consciousness, an awareness of just some basic ecological concepts and a very profound engagement with the idea that all of our environmental systems do have, have, um, they do have limits. There are places where you can cross the line and then you've ruined that environment. Uh, and because that's the drama of ecology as a science, that's the drama of environmentalism, that we've got to stay on the good side of the line. And that should be in everybody's thinking. You know, on, on the 6th of August in 1945, we dropped a bomb on Hiroshima. And that day we learned that the human, we the human beings can destroy every human being. Okay. We would do it, you know, politically and technically and so forth. And it just entered into our consciousness. On the 22nd of April in 1970, on Earth Day, we needed for it to enter into our consciousness that not only could we destroy all human beings and many other species with us, not only could we do that, but we could do it through the most intimate actions of our daily lives. We could do it by you know, how we run our faucet. We can do it by how we flush our toilet. We can do it with what chemicals we sprinkle on our garden. We can do it with what detergents we wash ourselves and our clothing with. We can do it, right? We can do it with these, just these little tiny actions. Mm -hmm. We don't have to drop an atom bomb. Now, if everybody had that orientation, that they understood that we can, can cross these lines to doom then I would think we might have a realistic hope of having an ongoing conversation about all of these problems at once. Yep. I completely agree with you there. I actually, to, to kind of tie into something that you have, have written your, um, your actual paper on future green orientation. Um, I, that was one of the, the first things that I, I read of yours when you when you sent me a bunch of stuff. I, I was really, really fascinated, and, and I'm glad that you were able to tie in 
um, the sense of having a green orientation. And I really do agree with you on that sense of not necessarily, and to almost kind of look at where I have put myself and to how I have tried to be an advocate for the environment and such. It's like, we're not necessarily trying and, and not even not necessarily, but not at all trying to say that this is, you know, you have to go green and everything, but I agree, you know, having this green orientation, not necessarily, uh, not even the necessarily full on green identity. And, um, you know, one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have you on and, and I'm actually, to be honest, I'm glad to hear that you thought that way. You thought of the show that way and you, and you thought of your perspective that way, because I feel like that's a question we probably, Tark, we should probably start asking um, our guests more often um, because that, that's, that's a great question to be able to kind of uh, further discover someone's identity just by based off of accepting an invitation to being on a podcast. Um, about identity and so it is it is interesting to me to see where you were coming from and, and for myself the i can publicly say one of the biggest reasons why we wanted to have you on and especially um i wanted to reach out to you was actually because exactly what you said was that sense of um thinking oh i'll have to i wonder if they're they want me to talk about this green identity or anything but it's basically the, the exact opposite. I knew that you wouldn't agree with that and you wouldn't talk about that. And so it's that sense of, because, because it's, uh, being in your class, you learn a lot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, definitely I, I think having this green orientation, being able to have, have kind of a foot in the door almost sense is at this point, um, the the best the best there but tark do you have any uh anything to add there before we wrap up um no i think I th i'm that was a lot and um mm -hmm. i'm just happy to have you guys on man that's it's been great <laughs> yeah it's been it's been it really has been great and uh i i think that's a great stopping point uh what do you think tom I think it's it's great. It's been a pleasure to be with you, gentlemen, this evening. And uh, I hope maybe um, at least two people out there in the universe hear what we've had to say. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I agree. We've we've had some we've had some listeners in and out here, which has been nice. And then they've been. Uh, I hope that they've learned a lot, and I hope that they've been able to take as much away from this as I know myself and, and Tark will as well. And if you want, Tom, you can go and turn on your camera so everyone can see. Oh boy! Uh, only if you want to. This will wreck it. There you go. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That's the man. That's, That's the man. There he is. <laughs> well, I think some uh, more people in the universe are going to hear it and see you. <laughs> Believe me, it's, this goes this goes around, man. We appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Like, mm -hmm. who knows? Someone's going to connect to this for sure. So, all you listeners out there, definitely don't forget to comment, like, subscribe, check us on Spotify. Right, Kayla? <laughs> I almost right. got it. Right. YouTube. Anything that you're thinking of. Um, we're almost there. We're on Twitch, guys. Uh, we have merch. Uh, check us out on Instagram, of course, as well. Are you doing the uh, thing? I'm kind of doing the thing. I'm doing, right. I'm doing my thing. I'm doing I'm doing <laughs> now do the thing, Caleb. I appreciate you, you guys. Want me to do it? <laughs>
Yes, thank you everyone for listening. This has been the Identity Podcast. It's been such an honor to to be able to do this yet again. Episode 27, Environmental Advocacy featuring Tom Duncanson. Thank you again, Tom, for coming on the show. It's been an absolute honor. And of course, it's been great to, it's been a while since I've talked to you. So it's been, it's been pretty great to talk to you again. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. <laughs> well, it is, it's been a joy as always, my fellow and lovely co-host Tarek, as always, it's uh, it's an honor to know you. And to oh, man, appreciate you. <laughs> Getting this all has been awesome. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, this has been the Identity Podcast. We hope you have all enjoyed, as always, every Wednesday at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch the Identity Podcast. And you might be asking yourself, well, where can I catch the Identity Podcast? Well, guess what? You can catch it on Facebook. Find your ID NYC. You can catch it right there on their Facebook page. You can catch it on the YouTube page, Identity Podcast and the X Shows, uh, separate YouTube pages there. And the Identity Podcast is now on Twitch, which we're live on right now. So you can actually catch us on Twitch at the Identity Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all those platforms at the Identity Podcast. You can also check out the Identity Podcast on all streaming platforms such as Spotify and Apple. And as always, if you want to sponsor us, well, you can actually email us at press at findyouridnyc.com. Don't forget to listen to us on Brick Media every Tuesday and shop Identity Podcast merch on Teespring. Link is on all bios, including the Instagram bio. It has been such a wonderful time talking about environmental advocacy, uh, green economics, climate crisis, all, all sorts of things. These uh, well, a wonderful time talking about these things, but overall talking about um, not not great things um, at that. And so, but it's continuing. I tell you, the environmental series is continuing right here for the Identity Podcast. Next week, February 17th, Chelsea Webster, based out of California, she will be on the show. Very excited to have her. She's very knowledgeable, and I know she's very excited to be on. Uh, cannot wait to have that show so it has been such a joy don't forget to check out our friend and our partner ivy rivera and her roots revival interfaith church uh reverend ivy rivera very exciting stuff what she's doing as psychic creating this church of of all religions of all awakenings to come every sunday at 7 p.m eastern they are awesome so happy to be uh, partnered with them and to know them so well and call them dear friends so it has been an absolute joy and i hope you've been able to discover understand and reflect right here on the identity podcast we'll catch you next week february 17th with Chelsea webster for the identity podcast